welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. I am so honored to have you here with us today where we talk about the business of real life, the lessons we learn in business and in parenting right here off the kitchen table. Today we have an amazing guest with us that I am just so honored to have because not only is he Jim Treliving, but this is Jim's very first podcast. So I am just so honored to have him at Elaine's Kitchen Table. Now, Jim Trillian does not need an introduction, but I would like to tell you a little bit more about him. Anyways, Jim was born in a very small town in Manitoba, and after trying pizza for the very first time as an RCMP police officer, Jim thought he might try his hand at the business of pizza. And many people thought he was crazy, including his own parents. But to make a long story short, He is now the chairman and owner of Boston Pizza International with over 400 restaurants across North America. And him and his partner, George Melville, also own several other companies in the retail, manufacturing, real estate, and other sectors with an annual system-wide sales exceeding over $1 billion. Jim stars as one of the original investor dragons on the CBC reality TV show called Dragon's Den. And this is similar to the Shark Tank show that's in the USA, where aspiring entrepreneurs secure a financial investment from the dragons to start their own business or to take it to the next level. It's through Dragon's Den that Jim and Kevin O'Leary became our investors in Easy Daisies. And you can hear all about that in episodes 11 to 13 of Elaine's Kitchen Table podcast. In 2012, Jim published Decisions, Making the Right Ones and Writing the Wrong Ones. It's a bestseller business book for aspiring entrepreneurs published by HarperCollins. I am very honored to interview Jim, and I cannot wait to learn from him and have him share his wisdom and his insights to all of us. So right now, welcome, Jim Treliving. I'm so honored to have you on my podcast, Jim. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. This is great. I'm really enjoying this. So my first question for you, Jim, is you have such an inspiring story of being a police officer who sat in a pizza parlor and then became the owner of Boston Pizza and many other businesses. Can you please tell us, just off the top of your head, what are the top three qualities you think are necessary or identify someone who will succeed in business, someone who who will make an extremely profitable business? Three qualities. Well, I think the three qualities that I always deal with, and I read from day one, is hard work. That's the first one. It's it, There's nothing more than hard work. It's long hours being in the business I'm in, and any business you get into. Uh, you have to be really set on what you want your business to be and what it is so that you're taking this to the consumer. So you want to make sure that the consumer wants the business in the first place. Uh, I think the third thing that you have to have or you have to know is that you have to have a time when you stick with it. Uh, We've always got to a point where it's a great idea, thought it's going to work, and oh, by the way, it's a lot of hard work, maybe I shouldn't do this. I think you have to make sure that you push it to the last extremity before you either give up or keep going. And to me, it's always keep going. And don't look back. Don't look back and find out that I would have, could have, should have. I think this is something you have to think about all the time. What's the next move? What's my next move? Always be ahead of the game. And to me, that was the same as us. We started out with not knowing anything about business, uh, going into business with a bunch of Greek people 
that were selling Italian food in the probably the smallest town in British Columbia, in Penticton, BC, where there was a saying that they were uh, at that point that they were uh, nearly dead and the dead, you know, in that town. So pizza was hard to sell. So I think in looking back at that and looking at how we did it, it was hard work, having to know your product. And the third thing is sticking with it. Thank you. That's so true. Sticking with it, that's the hard one. The hard one. Because it does, it's a hard climb. Well, yes, and there's peaks and valleys. You're going to have these peaks and great days. I, th I relate it to a lot to a golf game. If you go out and golf, you have birdies, you have eagles, and you have pars, and you have terrible games. Yes. Which is, you know, something as bogeys. And I think it's like that in the business world. You have highs and peaks. Don't, don't jump off the bridge because you have a low don't jump off it when you're having a high so you got to have that even keel all the time I, I like what you said in your book called decisions you had said to work like a dog with joy in your heart yes exactly <laughs> absolutely my next question Jim is in your book decisions you state that you make decisions about work with your heart about money with your head and about people with your gut can yep. you please give me an example from your experience, either good or bad? Well, the good was, I, I, and to my way of thinking was, uh, I got to a point in business where I needed to have somebody come into the business with me. And I had to make a decision five years into who that person's gonna be. And I had to look at the person, not it's gonna be the same as me, because I know what I could do. I had to look at somebody who was completely different but had the same train of thought, had the same goals in mind as I did. And so I picked my partner, George Melville. He came in and he was the, I, I was thinking with, he, know, he knows about money, that's the hard thing. I loved what he did, yeah, that's the head thing, he was bright. The hard part was I had two people very similar to that. What was my gut telling me? My gut was saying, here's the guy you need to go with. And I had two choices. So that was my first big decision, which was being a great decision because that's my partner now for 45 years. So I think that you have to look at every decision based on that. And that's for me. It may not work for everybody, but that's my how I make a decision. And they work very smart for me. Thank you. Jim, one of the many things I admire about you and, and your lovely wife, Sandy, is how you always give back to your community and to those less fortunate. Can you please tell me why giving back to the community is one of the best things that a business person can do? Well, I think more than anything else, it gets your name out there. It gets who you are out there. It gets you feeling good. I mean, I was raised in a, in a, in a household where uh, there was less fortunate people than myself. Uh, and friends where someone were my very close friends. Uh, I thought everybody lived like I did mm -hmm. because my dad was older when he got married. And I, the question I asked him one day was, why did you wait so long to get married and have kids? And he said, I couldn't afford me, Never mind you. <laughs> So it was one of those funny things. You look at back and say, wow, uh, you know, that's what he wanted, to, he wanted to think. But he said the one thing he always did is remember to pay your taxes because without paying taxes, you get in deep trouble. And the second thing is the country doesn't need your help. Mm -hmm. So as much as this is a great country to live in, and we're finding this more and more, and you're seeing this with even the Greek situation going on now, nobody paid taxes. Well, surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. Look at the mess they're in. I think the biggest thing in, in, in growing up and going into a business was there's less fortunate people than you are and you get to realize who they are and they need help. And how do you help them? You've done really well. I've often said, and I'll say it over and over again, there's never a Brinks truck following your hearse. When you die, nobody's taking anything to the graveyard with you. 
You know, you're getting a bunch of flowers that you can't even smell. <laughs> and you're <laughs> going to be, all those people are going to be on cheering and beering and whatever they're doing. But at the end of the day, you're going alone. Yes. So with no money, nothing else. No, you won't. So why, you have, why would you wait to do that? Why not sit back and enjoy what you could help? And if your little bit of money or a little bit of time makes a difference to other human beings, you get a great feeling in your gut. I agree. I agree. To, to be kind, always. Yeah. I miss being a teacher because teaching little ones that importance is so important. That it the, is. The world is bigger yeah. than just Well, yourself. I think you get so much. The other thing you do, Elaine, you get so much back. I mean, it, it's, it's not monetarily wise all the time. But it's the feeling that you know, wow, and it's what we created with it, with our all our companies. I mean, I have a feeling that when you walk in some days, you you hear me do stuff, and my wife and I talk about it. What you got to remember what happened with her is she had a brother that had suffered from schizophrenia. So where would we give money? We're going to give something to mental health. And when we when we had the opportunity to do it, not not you know, I couldn't do this a day after it was in business or or yeah. ten years after it was in business. But as you get bigger and bigger and small, you know, the world becomes very small for you. Yes. And you start to see that things you can do. I look at the Bill Gates Foundation, and he said, you know, one day, no commitment, no signing papers. I just want your handshake saying that you'll commit your billion dollars or whatever you to do to my fund. They've had 35, 40 people all jump on the board. And I think this is what it's all about is giving back and they can make a difference. You can make a difference in your community, in your town, on your street, in your block. And if you do that, just look around. Yes. You'll and, find and out lots of places to help. And you're right, it's it's not always monetary. It can no. be just giving your time. You know, I've often said to a lot of our franchisees, start with your own community. Yes. Start with your own block. Start with your own friends. Every it's amazing when we're talking to somebody with mental health problems. And you'll be sitting with a family and you're like, God, these guys have really got it together. They're really good, doing really, really well. Uh, and I said, well, we're involved with mental health. And I said, oh, um, yes, I've had somebody with that. Mm. And I look at them and you never think of that. Well, what was yours? Well, it was an addiction of this or it was this or it was this. What are you doing for it? Well, I'm trying my best to do this. And that's when you want to get involved. That's yes. when you can help somebody. Absolutely. Start with one person one organization. I've had, I preached to a bunch of my ex-Mounties. They're all retired. They're back, this is sore, you know, my pension's not working well. I say, get off your butt. Go out and find out an organization that you can go down and see every morning. Get up and have your breakfast and go and see if you can help somebody. What's this retirement age? What does that mean? Should you retire at 45? Should you retire at 25? Do you want to retire at seven? I don't believe in retirement. I call it tired because when I'm tired <laughs> and gone, I'm going to be sleeping a long, 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 long time. Mm -hmm. So you got a chance to do something. You got to do something with somebody that that's out there. Get involved. Go and involved and and work. You know how my do you want to sleep for ten hours a day, twelve hours a day? That doesn't mean anything to me. If I get five, six, seven hours of good sleep, get at it. You don't have. There's no such thing as retirement. That's just tired. Yes. So get up and get up and get going. And I there's lots of organizations you can help. I love that. And Mentor other people. Starts with one other person. Exactly. Thank you. I love You're that welcome. passion. I love that passion. And speaking of passion, I, I want to move on to your Eureka moment. What is the best lesson, Jim, in business that you have learned, either from a mentor or from 
your own journey that makes you who you are today? I think I, I, it wasn't a lesson, it's probably an upbringing. Uh, and I go back to my uh, Irish grandmother and she was tough as nails, she was five foot nothing and uh, just a great, great lady. And for years when I went to, as a young, little young boy, laying in bed, she used to sing us songs. And they're all, were IRA songs, which shouldn't have been singing to me, but it was about the Englishman and she married an Englishman. But anyway, one of the things she, I got in the house one day and she came in and I said, uh, they're, they're gonna do something at the school and I, I, I can't do that. She stopped me dead in my tracks. And she said, what did you say? And she was visiting with my mom and dad. I said, well, Grandma, I, I can't do that. And she said, there's no such word as can't. Mm. No such word. You can do anything you apply yourself or want. You'll do it better if you want it, but you can apply yourself to do it. Don't use that word because there's no such word in the dictionary as can't. And I said, yeah, it's in the dictionary. I'm like, Mel, it is now, but maybe not in her day. But right now, she taught us right from day one, there's nothing you can do, can't do. You can do everything. I and I think that. the biggest thing, that's my biggest mentor, and I look back on the different people I've met through life. My dad was a great businessman, very quiet. Uh, the most amazing story he told me, or did with me was when I left the police force, I remember I had a superannuation, a pension, I was being promoted, da-da-da-da-da-da. And all of a sudden, I'm in the pizza business with a bunch of Greeks doing selling Italian food in town where you don't probably would go for the first time to do business. So I went back and I had to get a loan from him. Mm -hmm. My first pitch ever was for that. Wow. My first pitch ever was to get $5,000. So I sat him down and he went through the whole thing and he said, and I said, so he said, let me get this straight. You're going, you're going into business. You don't know anything about business. You're going in with a bunch of Greeks, selling Italian food in Penticton, British Columbia. <laughs> he said, that makes all the sense in the world. You don't need help. You need a psychiatrist. <laughs> yes. So that was probably the next morning. My was told to go to the bank. I got a phone call from my dad. And he said, you're going to go up and see the banker. So I went up and seen the banker. And when I sat down with Mr. Dalton, I, the first thing he said to me was, over his glasses, and he was sitting like this with his glasses on, and he's looking over his glasses, and he turns to me and he said, don't miss a payment, you got your money. Wow. Three years later, I think two or three years later, I went to pay the rest of it off, and there was never a loan. My dad had already paid, but he made me, give me a lesson. You've got a loan, you borrowed it, you pay it back. There was no loan, but I paid it. I never missed a payment because I was paying it at the bank. Now, if it was my mom and dad, I probably would have missed a couple of things. <laughs> so those are the life things lessons. you can have. So that's yes. a life lesson. Absolutely. And I think those are the things you learn. Every person you meet is a mentor in my mind. They'll give you the good or the bad, but they're, they're a mentor in the sense that they give me an opinion, what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. If I'm going to do something, I've listened to people that, you know, I can sit there and they're telling me bare fish lie, but I listen to them. Mm -hmm. And they're really good at it. Mm -hmm. And I still have to make the decision whether I'm going to go. And I think that's the thing you learn from everybody. I think you learn something from everybody. It's a bad day you don't learn something new. Yes. Always. So you remember that. You're saying so many great things. And I think those are the <laughs> things that you learn. And when you get older, you look at it with a more jaundiced eye. But I still have fun with looking at I want to be around young people. I don't want to be around old people complaining about their sore backs and their 
they, they, what they can't do. You know, it's what you can do. Yes, it is. Out. And I love that. It's a bad day when you don't learn something new. Yep. How true is that? If I was teaching in a classroom, I'm going to drag you in there with me. <laughs> Get those seven-year-olds listening to you. Yeah, I love it. That's why I like Dragon's Den. It's great in Dragon's Den because you're seeing different everybody from a different walk of life. Yes. You're, you're listening to everybody that's going on in, in, in their business and what they think is going to be the next big thing. And it's big in their mind. And when we first started Dragon's Den, I remember Kevin and uh, Robert kidding about it, joking about the first hour we were in the business. And we got a break at about 10.30. And I remember walking out and saying, guys, we got to quit jocking around here. These people are serious. They don't believe what we're thinking. We're laughing and joking about this and how stupid the ideas are. They're not. Mm-hmm. They've worked hard to get here, so we better take a little more serious from here. Mm. That changed the whole format. We started to change and, and think about things. And I think they did the same thing. They started to understand that we weren't just in there to make a TV show. It started out as that, but it ended up with something completely different. And now across Canada, you talked about people, you gotta remember with the replays we're doing right now, the reruns that are being shown on television, 5.1 to 5.2 million people a week see our show. We're in 14 different countries with 14 different languages. Think about that. And, that and is amazing. all of a sudden we're on Netflix and stuff like this. You can yes. you can see the program. Our episodes on Netflix. Exactly. So look at what your what the media has done. And you've been talking to Canadians, young kids. Part of the thing I came up to when we were at, when I was telling you about being at, at, on the island this weekend. The most amazing thing for me was it's always mom and dad come up and say, "My kids love your television show. They love you, you know, or whatever." That's really nice. But when I say, how old are your kids? Wow, they're 12 and 13 and 10. Yes. Wow, what did I got in common with a 74-year-old guy? I mean, it's because you're sitting there showing them something they've never seen or heard at home. Mm-hmm. And they're getting to watch. The prime minister and his wife, and I've sat with them and I know them very well, and their two kids watch our show. They sit down as a family. There's more families I've sat with and talked to and said, we watch your show as a family. What is it doing? One thing it's doing right off the top, getting the families together. That's They're gonna watch one hour. If nothing else, they saw an hour. And there's other guys or other people that see it. And other, you know, I had a lady come up to me one day and said, you know, you've changed my life. And oh my God, you know, that's scary. Uh, you've changed my life. You've made me think that I could go and do something I, I thought I couldn't do. That's I've thought exactly about it for right. years. And, and you know, one of the questions I said to you, one of the things I remember about Easy Daisies was, you're telling me you're at home, you're going to put your, you got two kids, three kids now, and, and you're going to work, and you're doing this, and you're doing this easy daisies thing between two and four in the morning. What do you think? I think, I'm this lady is, now we're talking. The, the, this is the same thing, the feeling I have when I do business. You started out being, have to be really tough with this. You weren't allocating your time but that was the only allocation you had. So I think that that's what a lot of people have to realize. When you're doing a business or anything you're doing, you have to allocate time. You know your fun time's gonna come later. The one thing you two have done, and I really appreciate it with your kids, the three kids and yourself, is the fact you're both together. A lot of business get torn apart with this. And, and it's it, it, you've worked hard to be together, and yet both have to give a little bit. 
Jim True Living has so much great wisdom to share with us, and we want to share it all with you, but we're going to have to end it here because this is supposed to be short and sweet because we know how busy you are. So please do tune in for part two with Jim True Living of Dragon's Den. I love hearing from you, so please do find me on Twitter at Chat with Elaine or on Facebook at Elaine's Kitchen Table. I love hearing your feedback and hearing what you want to hear more about. Also, I would be so grateful and so very honored if you could take a moment and rate our podcast on iTunes. This truly, really, really helps me and our podcast to show up in the rankings of iTunes. And so if you could take that time and let me know that you did do that, I would love to give you a shout out on our next podcast. So thank you so very kindly. And I wish you everything wonderful and God bless.